This episode is sponsored by Faith, Hope, and Connection, a 30-day devotional for adoptive and foster parents. So if you are a foster or adoptive parent feeling like you need some more hope for this really complex journey, or you're feeling really discouraged or misunderstood, you're going to want to jump into this book that has real, often raw stories from adoptive and foster parents in the trenches. It has scripture and faith-filled hope pointing you to Jesus and really honest reflections to speak courage to your soul and remind you that you are in fact not alone. This devotional has contributions from 30 authors, all foster and adoptive parents, who offer a window into their own lives and families. You're going to recognize yourself time and time again in their words. Faith, Hope, and Connection, a 30-day devotional for adoptive and foster parents, is truly a treasure trove of wisdom and grace for foster and adoptive families. You can grab your copy from Amazon. It comes in paperback or Kindle version. Search for Faith, Hope, and Connection, or head to the show notes for this episode for a quick link. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry. We get it, and we're here for you. Hey, friends. Welcome to episode 99 of the Adoption Connection podcast. Normally, we would be doing a back-to-school episode right about now, but if you're anything like us, things are still in flux where you live, and really all over the country, it's just so, so different. What is happening with your family in terms of education, Melissa? So our kids who are enrolled in public school will go back 100% virtual the day after Labor Day, and then Ty is homeschooled kind of all year round. We were a little bit more flexible through the summer. My mom had done some like summer camp stuff for the grand and the great grandkids, but yeah, we'll just keep rolling through. He just needs the structure and it keeps him busy and out of trouble. So not much has changed where he is, but we know that a lot of you all are stuck at home with your kids more than you were expecting to be. Uh, and So today we are talking about challenging behaviors in particular, which there are plenty of right now, I'm sure. We've heard from a lot of you. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about what we can look for in those challenging behaviors that are kind of like the silver lining. We were chatting just a little bit ago, and I was saying that uh, I have a child who's an adult now who was the most incredible arguer you have ever heard. I mean, this child could, first of all, had incredible endurance, but could also outsmart me. It felt like a lot of the time. And he's now an adult and those skills have turned into gifts in terms of his life and his career. He's a very determined person and hardworking and, and can still argue his point extremely well. So this week we have Chad Henge and Anna Brash, who are from an organization called Connected Families. And Connected Families was founded by Jim and Lynn Jackson to kind of fill this growing need for fresh, biblically sound and practical parenting resources. Connected Families, they say, is your guide to peace and connection at home. And they have a concept called the gift gone awry, which we're going to kind of explore with Chad and Anna. Um, And it just really struck me. It's perspective that I wish I had had back when all the challenging behaviors really got under my skin. I've gotten thicker skin over the years. And now that we're helping to raise our granddaughter, I'm able to have a 
a much better sense of humor about all of it. But I remember living through some of these behaviors that she's experiencing or that she's showing us and just being so overwhelmed by them when I was a young mom. And so, so yeah, I just, you know, perspective is everything, right? It really is. And I think that this conversation will give all of us some great new ideas and perspective on our kids. And when things are tough, good things we can be looking for. Well, Chad and Anna, thank you so much for coming on the Adoption Connection podcast. We're so glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, so we're going to start by just having each of you tell us kind of how you were feeling about parenting or how you even came to connected families, whatever that looks like, whether it was a parenting conundrum, maybe it was from a professional standpoint. Um, So Chad, will you just tell us kind of how you came to connected families? Yeah, I um, first heard of uh, Connected Families right from the right from its origins in 2002. I had actually been working with Jim Jackson, who's one of the co-founders of Connected Families, uh, at a, a youth outreach organization, and we were both there. And he had left to start a parenting ministry, uh, and I was curious about that. I uh, felt like uh, you know I knew him, I knew his family. Uh, and in 2002, they started Connected Families, and I joined staff at Connected Families in 2005, uh, and so had that connection with them there. I wasn't always sure what they were, you know, what, what they were teaching. I mean, I, I knew some of it, but, uh, but uh, not until uh, before I came on staff a year or two before that did I really start to understand uh, kind of the, the framing of Connected Families for parents. Yeah, and was that a different was that a completely different paradigm shift for you? Or are you kind of already naturally parenting using those principles? No, I, I really came to parenting uh, much like uh, many of us do, uh, parenting like my parents parented me. And I was a pretty compliant kid. So uh, I just expected my kids to be pretty compliant as well. Uh, and it started off that way with our oldest. Uh, and then my middle daughter came along and she took really my my, my guidance as uh, what maybe would be called just as suggestions, right? <laughs> and so just kind of more like, well, I'll take that under consideration. And uh, I could feel after uh, several years, like there was a chasm growing because uh, I was uh, demanding right behavior from her. Uh, I was sacrificing some relationship to get it. And in the end, I was having no relationship uh, as well as the not the right behavior that I was looking for. And so I was feeling a little bit desperate. And honestly, I was blaming her for the problems because clearly I was a pretty compliant kid. My oldest daughter is pretty compliant. So it couldn't be us, right? We had this parenting thing figured out, so it kind of had to be her. Uh, but I also saw this this chasm growing, and that really brought me to connected families to really start to ask and inquire. It's like, what? what's going on here? How do I stay connected to this kiddo who is so different than, than me? Yeah. I think that's the story for a lot of our listeners. What would you say in a nutshell is kind of that framework that you now coach in at Connected Families? Yeah, the framework uh, really has, uh, uh, it's, it's shaped like a pyramid, uh, kind of like a pyramid. It's got uh, a, a strong foundation. So foundation, connection, coach, and correct. 
And uh, I think for me as a parent, I would spend a lot of time on the top of that pyramid of correction, right? Just really honing in on, on trying to get my kids to behave well. And uh, the, the framework uh, starts to play itself out when we start talking about um, misbehaving kids. We talk about four messages that we want our kids to receive from us, even in behavior challenges. And uh, they, kind of, they come out of, that, out of that pyramid of foundation, connect, coach, correct. And the first message is, child, you are safe with me. Out of a strong foundation comes a message of safety to our kids that you're safe with me, emotionally, physically, spiritually safe. And I would say that the question that I really had to wrestle around with a lot for me around safety was, was this. Can I be okay even if my child's behavior is not? Or do I need my child to behave well in order for me to be okay? Really, in essence, where does my value come from? Where does my sense of okayness come from? And I discovered I was, fine, I was getting that from my kids. <laughs> it was their job to kind of make me look good. And so you're safe with me is a, is a primary message. Like parents have good intentions, right? I, I've not met parents. I've not coached with parents or worked with parents who I felt like, wow, your intentions or your goals aren't very helpful. But the messaging that comes out of us sometimes, especially in behavior challenges, aren't the best kinds of messages. And so these are messages that we really want to enforce. And so you're safe with me is huge. The next one is, child, you are loved no matter what. Whether your value and your behavior don't earn you or lose you love. It's the same kind of love that we read in scripture with Romans 5.8, that God demonstrates his love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were all a mess. And we needed that love no matter what uh, that God provides to us through Jesus. And so your, your love no matter what, we, t- we talk about empathy is a powerful communicator of your love no matter what. I think empathy really just says, I understand you. It doesn't mean I agree with you. Um, but helping give those messages to our kids that they're loved no matter what. We call those first two messages the messages of grace. We all need a nest of grace to fall back into when we blow it. People who will love us, people who will forgive us, uh, encourage us. And we move to the next uh, level, which is coach. And out of a strong, when there's behavior challenges, there's a strong sense of this message uh, that comes from the, the idea of coach. And it's this. Uh, child, you are called and capable. You're called to be a blessing, and you're capable of using your gifts and talents to bless other people and, and honor and bring glory to God. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, so I won't give that away uh, in, uh, uh, right now, but that, I think, is something we're going to talk a little bit more about coming up, how we would do that. Uh, and then the last one is around correction and that message that we want to send our kids out of a strong sense of correction of child, you are responsible for your actions. You're responsible for your life. And so we talk a lot about how do we uh, give consequences or, or build wisdom in discipline of our kids, not just give them consequences that, you know, we hope they hurt so badly that they never want to do that again kind of thing, but actually consequences that build wisdom uh, in, uh, in our kids. Yeah, thanks for that. I, when I work with families, we talk a lot about moving from this like transactional relationship to a more like relationship for the sake of relationship. And even some of the things that we tend to do that aren't the threatening and punishing, even the 
um, kind of rewarding good behavior sometimes can still uh, reinforce transa- transactional relationship, right? You do something good. We do something good together. Right. And so, um, I work with families a lot on this, what we call like the foundation of fun, right? Because sometimes just family fun is fun because we're a family, not because someone did something good or not, or not have it happen because someone struggled that day or treated you like a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right on. Absolutely. Yeah. So Anna, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to connected families? Sure thing. Yep. My kids joined our family through adoption. My oldest, he's 15 now, he was four months old. And my daughter, who's 13, she was nine months old. So um, I had this idea in my head early on that if I just found the right book or the right formula, yeah, the right formula that if I followed these rules, then my kids would clearly have read the same book and they would follow the same rules and we would have a successful Um, ending, we would get the desired results. I really, up until parenting, I had found a lot of success in my life by following rules. And I just, I just thought it would apply the same to parenting. So I did logical, right? Like input in the right thing and output out the right thing on the other end. So during the adoption process, I actually found a parenting philosophy that really resonated with how I see the world and how I do life. And I was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And we just dove right in. Even though we did all the attachment reading and all the pre-adoption work, I just still felt like this formula will will work. So it wasn't until um, it was working it was actually working okay because my son is a survivor. So he figured out what he needed to do to survive in our world. When she joined our family, his world just fell apart. And so at that point, that's when he really started fighting. Really, I mean, from his little world, he was fighting for his life. So it was around two and a half, three, that things really started to spiral. And um, I just spent nearly all of my energy trying to find the right solution to fix the problem. And so my son's identity became the problem. Mm. And this was for a couple of years that I just continued to do all the things, every single thing you could find in the internet in the middle of the night, (laughs) I would sign us up for it. And that was exhausting for all of us, for our whole family. Yeah. I've been there. We've been to every ther- every type of therapist, every type of doctor. We've tried all the diets. We've tried a lot of the supplements, all everything. the things, right? Yeah. Everything. And you just, I understand that because you just want so badly to find this hope, this, like this thing that's going to work. So around, my son was around five. My daughter was around three and a friend, a close friend of mine um, mentioned connected families to me. And I was like, oh, that's just for normal families. I just didn't really feel like their resources or material would apply to our family. Um, But it was around that time that my son threw a kitchen stool at me. I don't even remember why, but we had just had our kitchen floors redone and they were beautiful and just perfectly sanded and just gorgeous. And he threw this kitchen stool at me and there was a big gouge in the middle of the floor And I took him by the neck and I pushed him down to see this gouge that he put in my beautiful kitchen floor. And it it was this light bulb moment for me where everything just fell away. And I just, at that moment, I felt like some of the stuff that I had started to be 
become introduced to, I felt like if I don't grab onto this, I don't know what I'm capable of. And I was really truly afraid. I was afraid for myself. My son was obviously afraid of me. And yeah, that was really when things started to turn around for me, when they started to shift. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that and for being vulnerable. Because I think we've all had those moments with our kids, if we're really honest, where we've kind of hit the end, the very, very end of the end of the end of the rope. And, and really, those are a lot of the moments where we've tried to decide to do something different. I mean, that was my story, right? Like I was banging my head against the wall doing all the things that worked for our first two kids. And it was moments like that that made me think like there's got to be something else. There has to be a better way. Like he's only four. We can't live the next, you know, 14, 15 years continuing down this road because he'll get bigger and it'll get uglier. Right. So, um, there's a, there's, um, rewritten serenity prayer on our website that I saw around that time. That was really my light bulb moment. Uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the people. I cannot change the courage to change the one I can and the wisdom to know it's me. So we have that, (laughs) (laughs) we have that um, designed as, as a a screensaver and a, a phone backdrop and all sorts of things because it's just made such an impact in my life. I want everyone else to see it as well. Yeah, that's, that's great. Well, we'll definitely include that in the show notes. Cause I think we probably could all, I don't know, maybe we could make it like tattoos for our foreheads. Um, <laughs> I always think about that. Like if I had a tattoo like that for my forehead, I'd probably need it in mirror image. Right. So that when I looked in the mirror, it would like scream at me. <laughs> yeah. So it was around that time. My, my, our parenting really was changing. We were really, my husband and I were getting on the same page. We actually did coaching with Chad. He was our parent coach around that time. Um, And then during a job transition, I reached out to the founders of Connected Families, Jim and Lynn Jackson, and I just let them know what my skill set was. And and it was in 2013 that I came on board. So um, my uh, my it's the perfect job for me because every day I get to be just surrounded by all this great wisdom, and I need it every day. (laughs) I know, I know, I I feel you, I feel you, Um, Chad. You talked a little bit or alluded to uh, a minute ago when you were kind of explaining some of the foundational principles of connected families. And you talked about this idea that our kids are called and capable. And I know for a lot of our listeners, uh, there's probably some doubt around that when we think about what our day-to-day looks like. And so you guys have this this messaging um, called the gift gone awry. And so can you tell us a little bit, just when you first said that to me, I kind of, you know, just by the words alone could kind of guesstimate kind of what that was, but can you explain a little bit about that to our families? Because I think it's a concept that will help so many of them as we kind of look at and play behavior detective with these really challenging behaviors. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a paradigm shift, and it certainly was a paradigm shift for me when I first heard it as well. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, the, the four messages that we talked about, you're safe and you're loved, and then we get to you're called and you're capable. And uh, do we believe that? This is wrestling for me. Do we believe that our kids are called and capable even when they misbehave, right? Do we believe that uh, our kids are called and capable even when uh, they're doing something defying me. <laughs> Do we believe that they're called and capable, even when we see them being, you know, being dishonored, uh, dishonoring to us, um, and uh, really just trying to see through the misbehavior and into 
the heart. And the gift gone awry simply is really this belief that, that it, one way to say it is that it takes talent to misbehave, right? There, there are some underlying um, gifts and talents being put on display in misbehavior. Uh, and uh, one way that I like that uh, Lynn Jackson, one of our founders, says that, that really when our kids, the gift gone awry, that our kids are really accessing their own strengths to get what they want. They're not going to access their weaknesses to get what they want. They're going to access their strengths. So a physical child might use aggression to get what they want. A verbal child might argue until you can argue no longer because that's one of their good gifts that they have the ability to see through, see holes in arguments or that they can just uh, uh, continue to persist Right, and what what I found um, this this came to light really for me when I was working at this youth outreach organization before I came to Connected Families, where we started to try to affirm gifts that our kids had, even when it was coming up through misbehavior. So these the one defining moment for me here was the the two kids came running to this youth outreach organization that I was working at. I was in a courtyard. They should have been in school. They were teenagers. Should have been in school. Uh, and uh, they came running, huffing and puffing, and they sat down and they, hi, Chad, right? Really conversational, like, wow, there's just a lot of something going on here. I'm not quite sure what it was. And then I saw this police squad car drive by very slowly, and I was like, oh, okay, there's something else going on here, and they knew they were busted, right? And I, and I said, hey, what, what are you guys doing? I'm like, what are you really doing? And it turns out they had been uh, skipping school to monitor the movements of the, of the uh, worker at the jewelry counter at Kmart uh, for a couple weeks. And they were studying the movements and the cameras and uh, all of those kinds of things. These kids were not studying books, right? And I know that my natural inclination is to go, are you kidding me? You guys, what are you doing? I mean, do you understand what was, you know, what the ramifications of this are and how disrespectful? Go to jail. <laughs> right, exactly. All the stuff. Right. That's what. That's my natural default. But if I'm looking for the gift gone awry, I'm going. It took some giftedness, some strengths that they used inappropriately. Okay. I'm not saying that we should celebrate the use of those gifts or how they were used. But to deny that they've got gifts denies an opportunity for us to affirm uh, and acknowledge that God-given talent. So I look at them and I go, wow, well, tell me a little bit more. And I had a little bit of a relationship with them, right? And they started to tell me about how they did it and what they did. And they were, they were caught, right? They were going to get in trouble. Uh, but here I am having a conversation affirming them for what gifts they actually have and how they how they could use those then in ways that would bless people right so i what i what i think um for application for parents like uh, for myself right uh, a kiddo that is argumentative and back talking okay, has some gifts right uh, passion maybe direct communication might be a gift okay a stubborn kiddo might have the gift of determination Right? How they're using it, not very helpful. Uh, I've had kids who are really, they, they really seek justice and fairness for themselves, right? That, they don't, they're usually not like, wow, that's not fair for everybody else. It starts off with, it's not fair for me. 
So if, if all I do is say the, the, the platitudes back to them, it's like, well, well, life's not fair, right? It doesn't teach them. It doesn't help them grow in their gift. And so here's the thing. I just want to encourage parents to start looking for the gift and the talent that it might take for your kids to misbehave like they do. And then just start thinking about how, if that were to be used to benefit other people, to help other people, uh, that we could call that out, right? And affirm that gift. Yeah. Oh, bummer. I'm going to have to stop saying life's not fair, Chad. I don't know <laughs> if I can do that. <laughs> if, it, if it would change the attitude, then I think I would want to say it, but, but it, it, it doesn't help, right? It does, it's usually a, a frustration because I've said it a hundred times as well, but it's out of frustration. And you notice when we're talking about the framework, the foundation, the connect, and we're talking about coaching, this is really about helping our kids get a vision for how they could actually use their gifts to help other people. And just, just one quick example of life's not fair. Um, it was a, kind of an aha moment for me as I'm sitting on the playground watching uh, my kids play. And I asked one of my kids to come and sit next to me. And I said, hey, um, and this is the one who really struggled with fairness. And I said, um, hey, would you, would you just play a quick game with me here? Uh, let's see who can see the most things that are going on in the playground that aren't fair, right? Because there's a lot of unfairness going on when 30 or 40 kids are playing on the playground and she started to get into it. And she was saying, Oh, that's not fair. Oh, that, that's not fair. It was the beginning seeds of planting for her that she can see things that aren't fair for other people, just like she can see things that aren't fair for her. Right? And now I'm encouraging that. And the other thing I want to say about this idea of the gift gone awry is your kids are likely using their gifts in healthy ways as well. So when you see it, make sure you call it out. So when I see her stand up for a friend, it's an opportunity for me to say, oh, man, you know what I saw yesterday? I saw you use that gift of fairness to help out your friend. That was really cool. Right? I want to feed that. I want to affirm that and encourage it because a lot of times I think as parents, we can get sucked into this belief that our kids are misbehaving all the time or they never use their gifts for good. And I think it's important for us to put that lens on of, hmm, I wonder when I can actually catch them using that good, that gift for good, even if it's just a little portion of it and call it out and affirm it. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really important, too, because a lot of our kids who came to us through adoption have a lot of self-esteem and abandonment and shame issues. And so I think as adoptive parents, we find ourselves tiptoeing around this narrative of calling our kids out on their behaviors, right, because a lot of them are not okay. But then, you know, uh, like our son, for example, will then turn around that night, you know, and cry himself to sleep because he's such a bad boy and he'll never do anything right. And why does his brain have to be this way and all of these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think this balance of, you know, again, not excusing the behavior, but finding the way that our shaping the way that our kids see themselves through these gifts gone awry uh, is a really powerful concept. So thanks for that. I think the other thing that I would just add to it is that as parents, if we can be thoughtful and prayerful about how we can set our kids up to use their gifts, how to use those well. 
So, and as parents, we oftentimes act surprised when behavior challenges arise that we know are coming. We, we, we somehow we're like, what? Why, why are you yelling at me when we would expect them to be yelling at us in this situation? Because that's what they always do. So we can even be thoughtful about, you know, asking the Lord, God, how, what is, what is the gift I can affirm? Because I know this is going to happen again. And even being thoughtful about that. Uh, and our kids are sensitive, right? You know your kids. So if you say something that's patronizing to them, they're not going to receive that very well. None of us receive patronization very well. And so, but what's true? Can we really ask and, and ask God and then look for ways that our, that our kids can use that gift in a way that would be honoring to other people? So uh, when we can get proactive about that, it's like my, my oldest daughter, she's, she's, she really likes to have all the details and structure and, and uh, but nobody really wanted to play with her because it was her way or the highway. It was just this kind of bossy kid who uh, would uh, make playing with her not so much fun. Uh, and so we started to look through the lens of the gift gone awry as somebody who could be a leader uh, and uh, started to set her up to kind of the big crescendo of it all was, was doing a neighborhood carnival that she arranged. And, uh, you know, nobody wanted to do it at first because they had to do it just the way she wanted them to do it. And if they didn't do it, then they couldn't do it or she yelled at them, right? And so now we're talking about leadership. Now we're talking about um, getting people's buy-in, uh, setting people up to be, you know, have a little bit more autonomy. Uh, but th that, my default in that would be, nobody's going to want to play with you if you keep acting like that. And that doesn't change her behavior. It actually discourages her. And it actually is a discouragement to me when I say things like that. Okay, I'm just discouraged. I don't know what else to do. And so the idea of the gift gone awry really helped set me up with vision. It's like, what could be if this were used well? Yeah, I love that. We talk a lot here about the Enneagram. And mm. I think about, you know, each of the gifts that the nine different ways, the nine different ways that people see the world. And, you know, eights, for example, are usually really big energy, strong personalities uh, who seek justice at all costs and also hate to be controlled, right? And so I, that can be really difficult to parent, but also some eights are some of the best leaders in the world, right? Because they're, they'll protect the underdog at all costs and they can also have really big hearts and they have great leadership skills because they're not afraid to back down from a no or, you know, they're super persistent. So I love that. Um, Chad, do you have just any simple practices practically for parents to help them shift their mindset to this gift gone awry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think uh, first, first for me was, <clears throat> was to acknowledge that there's giftedness in my child and uh, and that it might be coming out, whether it's personality, whether it's just the, you know, um, sensory processing kinds of things that cause cr crazy behaviors or trauma, whatever it might be, but, th but that there is giftedness and talent there. And for me, it was a beginning of just asking God, like, help me see that. Could you change my perspective on how I, view this child. Uh, and that gets us back really into foundation and you're safe with me. It's like, what's going on with me and what 
is going on with my child? How do I view that child? So first thing for me is just really uh, acknowledging that sometimes my kid's giftedness shows up in misbehavior. And, uh, and I can acknowledge that without, again, without excusing the behavior or going, oh, that's okay. Now we're not going to deal with that. Uh, and then I think the, the next piece for me is just a, about um, looking for little ways to affirm the things we want to see more of. We talk about a connected families that focuses fertilizer. So the things that you put big, intense focus on is likely what you're going to grow more of. And so if I can focus in on even the little thing that went a little bit better, okay, and give some intensity to that, not over the top, something that our kids could receive, uh, but focus on the thing that we'd like to see more of, uh, I think those are good, uh, good starts. Yeah, thanks for that. We, that confirmation bias is really strong, you know, when we start leading our brain a certain way. It can, it, it, once we push the ball down the hill um, and confirmation bias takes over, it can get us a long way. I think the, the being able to ask even a, a friend or another family member who's outside of your you know, view uh, or who's outside of, of just the day in, day out uh, behavior challenges, what do they think? One of my favorite stories is a church that was learning to, to do this connected families framework together and they came across the gift gone awry. And uh, one of the dads said, yeah, one of our kids had this huge meltdown at, our fa- at a picnic with a bunch of families. And uh, the parents looked at each other and went, well, what do you think the gift gone awry is with that? Right? And so you kind of have this even community of going, help me understand what, what could be the gift behind that behavior. And so getting outside of yourself and inviting other people in might be able to provide some insight as well. Yeah, we're huge fans of that community here since it can be so isolating to have kids with really extreme behaviors. Um, Anna, because you're walking in shoes similar to those in our audience, what words of encouragement do you have for parents who are dealing with challenging behaviors? Like it feels like all the time. So as I mentioned, my kids are 13 and 15 and, and um, I, I do fight against this desire to just find all the things to fix my kids. Like if I find the right formula, then they'll turn out the exact way that I had expected that they would. But the truth is we don't, we don't know what journey each of our children is going to be on. And that's, that's the stage where we are with, um, with, especially with my 15 year old right now. Um, but I feel so strongly about connected parenting. I feel so strongly that this is the right, the right philosophy um, for healing for our family. And, um, you know, even though in the moment it's hard and in the moment I fight against just wanting to control the situation, I just know in my heart of hearts, when I lay my head on the pillow at night, that again, today I have, there's been a little bit more healing that's taken place and a little more connection and that I am not parenting for the next 24 hours. I'm parenting for the next five years, 10 years, 20 years. I always have the long view in mind. And that has made just a world of difference. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. An ultra marathon, not a sprint, right? Ultra marathon. (laughs) Guys, I super appreciate you being here. I know you're busy and there's a lot going on over at Connected Families. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your stories, your authenticity with our folks. 
You're welcome. Thank you for having us on. So in listening to this, if you are familiar with um, connected parenting, empowered to connect, trust-based relational intervention, any of those things, you may have seen some strong similarities between connected families framework and our framework. So um, their framework starts with the foundation, then goes to connect, then connect with your child, then coach, coaching your child, and then correcting. Where for us, we start with empowering, which is really meeting all the physical needs, sensory needs, then connecting through all the different skills we talk about, and then finally correcting. So we have a lot in common with the Connected Families Framework. I want to just kind of give a general disclaimer that we love TBRI here. I also love the neural behavioral model. I love looking at the brain. And I think we have to understand that at the core of all of this, right, is that we're trying to understand our kids and their behaviors to the best of our ability and that the type of parenting that we promote here at the Adoption Connection is one that comes from a place of compassion, again, understanding. We also know that there are a lot of parenting tools, frameworks, resources that are out there that fully support and align with all of the values that we hold near and dear here at the Adoption Connection. Um, and so we like to bring you other ways to frame it and verbalize it because everybody's personality is different. We're also in different places at different times. And so there may be a way that someone explains something that isn't um, necessarily against or um, outside of you know what TBRI was meant to build within our families, um, but maybe just is something that was never said quite the way our brain needed to hear it at that time. And so if you had questions about like, well, I thought, you know, we were all about TBRI here. What, how does this compare? You know, Lisa just gave kind of a parallel, but I think in general, there are so many fantastic resources that help us better understand our kids, their behaviors, both from a brain perspective, an attachment perspective, a felt safety perspective, chemically, all of those things. Hopefully, if you were confused coming into this, that helps you. And for me, one of the most important questions about any parenting tool or method is just to remember that in connected parenting, we always keep the relationship at the center of every interaction. The relationship comes before dealing with particular behaviors or anything else. So yes, there are so many great tools and we enjoy having guests here that present new things. Well, we're really excited because next week we are releasing the 100th episode of the Adoption Connection podcast. And honestly, we can hardly believe it ourselves. We're pretty excited and um, just really thankful that we've been able to do so many episodes. We do have some special things planned. It involves guest hosts and prizes. So you don't want to miss next week. So if you haven't already subscribed in your favorite podcast app, you would go ahead and do that so you don't miss when our 100th episode drops next week. And for all of you who have been listening to the podcast, we really do want to thank you for listening, for being part of our community, for helping us even choose topics and guests. And for those of you who have left reviews, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. If you would like to leave a review, we are always thankful for reviews that help people find the Adoption Connection podcast. 
So if you want to find out more about the Connected Families framework, their website is connectedfamilies.org. You can also find them on Facebook or Instagram as Connected Families. And we will have all of that in the show notes, as well as the serenity prayer that Anna mentioned that's been slightly tweaked for those of us who are parenting kids with challenging behaviors. Um, we'll have all of that at the show notes, which you can find at theadoptionconnection.com slash 99. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.